Good. Thank you, Josh. You're more efficient than I thought you were. We'll keep you around. Double the salary. Double the salary. All right, tonight we're going to, we, we have been talking about understanding sanctification. We spent quite a bit of time, and you know, on Wednesday nights, we really would like the depth of the meat of the word to, to be there. You're, you're coming uh, on a Wednesday night, giving up a time in the middle of the week so that we can, we can grow in our understanding of the scriptures. And of course, every time we have uh, a service here, we want it to be centered around God's word, and we want it to be powerful, and we want it to be insightful. Tonight, I believe, is a very, very important lesson, and it's not the first time that I've preached on walking in the Spirit. I took a couple years to talk about the Holy Spirit uh, in that, that doctrine, and we spent several months on sanctification. And I want to be honest with you, uh, even though we might hear something over and over again, it doesn't mean that we get it. Even, and, and what I've discovered, even though I preach it over and over again, doesn't mean I get it. Uh, it's just like uh, Rose said. She says, you know, you can read the scriptures and read the scriptures, and all of a sudden, there's a nugget that you've never seen. And it's just so thrilling. And truly, we, we want to approach the Bible as gold diggers. You know, and you can imagine those who are panning for gold when they found a big nugget, how that made their day. And the Word of God is so rich, and it is so powerful. <coughs> and in talking about sanctification and understanding who we are in Christ, and then the practical side of that, and eventually we're going to go back to that a little bit, and we're just going to finish up Romans 6, 7, 8, because that is the sanctification chapters of the doctrine of the sanctification in Romans there's the power of sanctification, the problem with sanctification, not problem with sanctification, the problem with us, <laughs> and then the practice of sanctification or, or the, the uh, practicality of sanctification. And uh, so tonight, what we understand is that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit converts us. Okay, is that not correct? The Holy Spirit converts us. You don't convert yourself. You know, and, and to a lost person, they don't understand that. They oftentimes think, well, I've got to clean up my life, or how am I ever going to measure up? No, you get the Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit fills you. Now, understand that this doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit, this is primarily brought out in uh, the Gospels and up to Acts 19. Okay? That doesn't mean that, that those things don't take place afterwards. All right? But the, the idea that you're going to be baptized into the Spirit, and then uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that by that the Spirit's baptism, we are placed into the body of Christ. So the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit in Matthew to Acts 19 is talking about the Holy Spirit coming into us, and that takes place at salvation. And Romans 8 says that if you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. So when you get saved, you get the Spirit. And when he uses this word full, it is the 
word for occupy. All right? Occupy. And, uh, and that means that the Holy Spirit occupies your life. You are not going to get more of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can get more of you. <coughs> and so, there is a change in words. You do not see this filling of the Spirit after Acts 19, except in one place. Does anybody know where that place is? Maybe it's Ephesians. Oh, maybe we need to get... Uh, Josh back here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Can we run and get Josh back here? Because my, my verses aren't coming up. It's not coming up there either, is it? And we're not on the backpack wall either. So, so tell, tell Josh that we're going to cut his salary in half. <laughs> All right. Ephesians. Why don't you turn there since we don't have the verse. We can keep on moving. I got, I'm not going to cover it all tonight. We're going to be in a two to... 20 part series on this. Five. Good. Ephesians chapter 5. And the word, there we go, we got it in the back, and we're up here in the front. So let me see if this is going to work now. This is still not working. Uh, let's see. Sometimes it, uh, you know, if I shoot it through my head, if I hit this, there it is. Clear your mind. Clear your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how dense I am, you see. We really love you, though. <laughs> All right. So here, this is the... Now, Texas, because so many people don't understand these words, and they, they get... It's just like sanctification, you know... You begin to, to look at things and you don't get necessarily a clear picture of it. So understanding that this idea of the fullness of the Spirit is, is talking about that that's the idea of the Spirit occupying you. And this is the only other place in any of the church epistles where it talks about being filled with the Spirit. And I bring this out because we're going to tonight talk about walking in the Spirit... And that is the word that is used for us today. So we need to understand what are these different terminologies. Now the word filled here is a different word than the word full. If you understand that, alright? But the idea of filled here, and he brings it up, be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So just in context here, what do you think this word Filled means control. Control, exactly. So the fullness of the Spirit is the occupation of the Spirit in your life. This is the baptism of the Spirit, synonymous, and that the Spirit comes and indwells you. And in the Old Testament, the Spirit didn't indwell people, but now in the New Testament, after Pentecost, the Spirit indwells us, and we are full of the Spirit. But the filling of the Spirit is the control. And when, now, I bring you to this place because when you are controlled by the Spirit, what does it say in verse 19? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I bring this out because I will 
to be able to identify whether we are controlled by the Spirit or whether we are walking in the Spirit. He wants us to be able to identify. Alright? So what do you see here if the Spirit is in control of your life, not, not your flesh? What do you see taking place here? What are people doing? What's that, Gary? Praising God. Singing. Giving thanks. There's joy. There's praise. Do you, do you all see that? And yet, you know, this almost is being ripped out of the souls of Christians by the circumstances and the world we live in. And that's why we've been talking about living in the heaven race. And being able to have this as a part. And, and so I, I ask myself, is there a song in my heart? Or is there sorrow in my heart? You know, we've been talking about this so much, about being under the circumstances. Yes? I have been listening the other day, and there was a certain penalty for Israel if they didn't worship with joy and enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. And God says, make a, you know, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And you can lose your life if you came before the king without uh, having a smile on your face. You know, they didn't want you to come in there, you know, all the frowning or whatever else like that. And that doesn't mean that there's not sorrow and there's not heaviness and all, but there needs to be the control of the Spirit in our hearts, and He has put a song in our hearts, and we need to praise Him with that. I, I uh, this past year, my verses each week have been dealing much with praise and, and prayer and thanksgiving and pr uh, uh, those kinds of things of rejoicing in the Lord. So, so understand here now, uh, this filling is this control of the Spirit. And so up to Acts 19, there is that word full. But now after Acts 19, throughout the church epistles, you'll see this word walking in the Spirit. Here in Romans chapter 6, wherefore we are buried with him by and baptism unto death. Uh, uh, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of uh, the Father, even so we should what? Walk in newness of life. So what I want to talk about is what does walking in the Spirit look like? And how do you know that you're doing it? Alright, so Maybe tonight, what is, what, is, what is right off the top of our heads? What is walking in the Spirit? Having the mind of Christ. Okay, having the mind of Christ. Okay, reading the Bible definitely helps. Being at peace. Being at peace. Okay, those are all the fruit. Okay, you're close. And then... I'll give you an A minus for that. You hear what she said? Putting the things of God ahead of things of self. Okay? Now, you you get it. I mean, you really will get what it means to walk in the Spirit. If I give you the definition, it's very clear. It's very simple. All right? 
Now, do it. It might be another story, all right? Because you have an enemy, right? What's your enemy? Your flesh. That's the warfare. That's the antithesis of walking in the spirit is walking in the flesh. Okay? So, 87 times in the New Testament, this word walk is in the scriptures. 87 times. This word, walk, here, now there are two words for walk, interesting. <laughs> and when we get into Galatians chapter 5, you're going to find he uses both words. Does God make a mistake? He, he has a reason for using both words. All right, this word, walk, is the idea of a journey. It is, uh, uh, it is uh, let me see if I can come up with it here. Uh, it is to make one's way or progress, to make due use of opportunities, to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself, to pass one's life. Uh, so it is the idea of journey. So here he's talking about, you have been born again, now walk in this newness of life. And this right here is... This baptism of the Spirit, because the baptism unto death is like unto Christ. That's not water baptism. That is spirit baptism. Now you can walk in this newness of life. Yes? If that's, that word walk is like a journey, yes. then what, this should be your goal. Yes. All right. Okay. What? 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 Why are you making progress in your life? Why are you going down this road? <coughs> All right, well, your completeness. completeness. All right, so you're wanting to make progress, and there's there. I mean, I, you're you're not going to walk down a path unless you have a reason to go down that path, and the Holy Spirit is taking you down this path. All right, he gives you the roadmap. He gives you the roadmap, and the Bible's roadmap, and the Holy Spirit has he shows us things to come. All right, here that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after. The flesh, but after the spirit. You see, so you're going to find this over and over in the church epistles of uh, this walking in the spirit, uh, the, the, the law of righteousness. And First, uh, Second Corinthians five seven, we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, if you walk by sight, that would be the walk of the flesh. The walk of faith is the walk of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So what it means by there, he's not saying that you don't have a fight with the flesh. He's saying, uh, and we'll get into the other portions of this, he's saying that you don't have your warfare, you don't fight your battles through the flesh. That's what that says. Okay, does everybody understand that? So don't, don't, because we know that it says you have a warfare with the flesh. Okay? So these are the words. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You just need to know where this is. And, uh, understand that Galatians is written uh, about the Judaizers. 
Judaizer is someone who would put their faith in Christ, but yet put themselves under the law. So in other words, they would get saved by faith, but they felt that they had to conduct themselves, that they had to walk by the law. Okay? The walk by the law can very easily be also a walk in the flesh. Because the law never intended to save anybody, and it is a part of human effort. So even in doing good, it can be a walk in the flesh. So they were what we would call legalists. A legalist with definition term is salvation is yes by Christ, but also by this walk of the law. Some things added to it. That would be a, a, the, the purest definition of a legalist. You've got to add to your salvation. You've got to trump your salvation with these legal activities. Now, the opposite of a uh, legalist would be someone who believes in license. Okay? And what I mean by that is Paul is bringing out this idea that you're free of a law. Now, how many here would say, hey, that's great news. I'm free of the law, therefore I can live any way I want to. There's no speed limits on the highways. There's no laws out there. Man, we can live and let live. Paul also said not everything is advantageous. Right, okay. But you see how there was, there was, there was both sides of this. And so he wants to make sure that they understand he's not just saying you're not under the law and the law doesn't have any part of your salvation. And really, the law has really no strength in your life. It is really meant to convict you of sin, show you how wrong you are. In the Old Testament, it was the governmental practices of Israel and those types of things. And yes, there's principles there. We don't want to discount those principles and the moral sense of who God is. But he also doesn't want them to go and say, well, man, we can do whatever we want. And so he starts in verse 13, and he gives you the third person, and that is the liberated person. Now, guess what he says here? And you understand that the walk in the Spirit is actually, it is being Spirit-led. Everybody say that, say that back to me. The walk in the Spirit is being Spirit-led. One more time. The walk in the Spirit is being Spirit-led. That's freedom. And that's freedom. Because He's guiding you. He's going with you. He's not, he's not saying, you know, Mike asks for directions, and I tell him, well, you turn down this road, and go down that road, and, and you take a left at this stop sign, and, and you'll get there. That's not being led of the Spirit. Being led of the Spirit is the Spirit coming along and saying, Mike, Come on, come with me. Isn't that wonderful? That's what the word is there, to be led. The, the spirit is a paraclete, which means he comes alongside. He's walking a lot alongside of Isn't that a wonderful friend to have? Amen. But to be led by the spirit means you need to listen to the spirit. Catch me, what I'm saying. 
It is a dangerous thing not to follow your God. It's a dangerous thing to make decisions based on how we feel about something rather than what does God say. Do we hear me? Do I hear me? How many decisions do we make in a week's basis that is a flesh-led basis rather than a spirit-led decision? How important is it? Do you think that your passion needs to be spirit-led? Any more than you? No more than you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Can I see your hands? Isn't that wonderful? When you understand, Norm, that you have the paraclete, the comforter, the one who's there, and he says, Norm, let me take you by the hand, and I'll help you on your journey. And we understand that that's his comfort, and understand that we're going through, and right now there's a lot of things going on in my life, and decisions, and things like that, that i got to deal with, and I think, well, how comforting it is to say, God, Help. Hold on! Hey, by the way, do I have to ask God to hold on? He said, I'm never going to let you go. You've got a hold of me. He's, he's telling me, pay attention! <laughs> yes. It's not the fact, and he can. Uh, has, how many times has God grabbed you by the nap of the neck and said, come with me? But there's other times where like with mine, hey, come on, let's go. Where are we going? Well, we're going down this dangerous road. Or we're going down this road that you've never traveled before. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the, uh, in the, in, in, with my enemies. What's that? Presence of my enemies. One of my memory verses. Did you see what I'm saying? And he whispers in our ears. He says, I want you we said, don't resist being uh, generous impulses. You know, often, how many, how many decisions we make about our walk and our journey that's based on whether it's convenient, comfortable, it's in our plans. Do you get it? Do I get it? We understand the sovereignty of God and that He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrim in a strange land. We have a God that is as bright as the light that led Israel out of Egypt and takes you right where He wants you to. For we know all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them that are called according to the Spirit. My God, let's go! 
I'm thinking I might, but he's only here for a day, so I gotta get my shots in. <laughs> I'm thinking about Norm because Norm gets up and he works two jobs. He gets up at 3 30 in the morning, works two jobs, and he's here tonight, and so I gotta pick on him to keep him awake tonight. <laughs> Doing pretty good, Norm. Yeah, there you go. All right, so so understand this. This is what Stanley says. To walk by the Spirit is to live with moment-by-moment dependency on and sensitivity to the initial prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm thankful that God sometimes knows, just like my wife knows, when I'm not paying attention. Has to repeat himself. But you don't want to be like Jonah in the repetition of the message. Get it? And I have seen I'm going to tell you folks Highways and byways are littered with destroyed lives because people got on the wrong journey because of choices they wanted to make. Can I say the rights movement has ruined America? And we have rights in this and rights in that. And I, you know, we have in 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 in, in, in and rights, and everybody has those rights to, to live and let live, and that's true. But what has happened is people have gotten to this demanding their way and demanding their rights. That's why, listen, it is so important for us to help our children understand it's not their way. And, and I almost, you know, I messed up with this too. And every one of us says, we ask our children, what do you want to do? We almost condition our children to respond, what do I want to do? You know, and for Jane and I, well, even still to this day, what do we want to do? And you know, much of our life is conditioned by what we want to do rather than asking God, what do you want me to do? Now, let me just say this. In the morning, every day, I would encourage you when you get up and say, God, what do you want me to do today? Order my steps. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered. Lord, help me to follow and discover so Galatians deals with this legalism and this license, but this liberty from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. And so he says in verse 13, Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. That's your freedom. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. You see how he's addressing uh, this license? But then he tells you, you have been given this freedom so you can love people. Isn't that interesting? You've been given this liberty to serve one another. You don't have to serve people because you're not going to heaven because of helping someone across the street. You're going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. And now you're free to go out there and enjoy the journey of being a blessing to other people. And so this generous impulse, and this is how he's starting this passage of scriptures here. 
And I didn't check uh, where the paragraph break is. I don't know, Pastor Nathan, if you have it on your phone, uh, the paragraph break here. Uh, but I, for some reason, it sticks in my head. It started uh, the paragraph in verse 13, understanding that when the Bible was written, it wasn't written in verses of chapter. We all understand that. It was written in paragraphs. It was books written to letters to the, the Galatian churches, and, and it was in paragraphs here. He says, only use not the liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Isn't that <coughs> This is setting up now this aspect of walking in the spirit. He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. You know what's interesting is he just lays this foundation. This is kind of the preamble to what he's going to get into here. When you go in and you, you discover what the walk of the flesh is and the, and the walk of the spirit is, you'll find that anger is right in there and love is right in there. All right? And you can identify these things. The flesh gets upset. But every time you get angry, unless it's a, quote, righteous indignation... It sometimes it's hard to discover what is the righteous indignation uh, today. Uh, you are in the flesh. Alright? You're walking in the flesh. So, then in verse 16 he says, and this I say then, walk in the spirit. And that is present, active. Present, active. Walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The word fulfill is accomplish. And it's in the aorist tense. Which is interesting. Because usually when you see sins in the Bible, they're, they're usually in the present tense, which is continue activity. Well, what he's saying here, that if you're walking, and this is uh, present acting, okay? Cheryl, going back to your thing, he puts it in the acting, which means it's your responsibility to walk in the, in, in, the, in the spirit. And then he says, you will not fulfill, it's in the heiress, which means that you're not going to be committing those acts in the, the flesh. How many of you think that sounds like a good deal? And is God ever lie? So is this true? It is true. Okay, now here's the question. I want you to get this. So why do you want to walk in this spirit? So why do you want to walk in the spirit? So you don't fulfill the loss of the flesh. Lord, I am like, put your spiritual tonight, Cheryl. <laughs> Lord, I hear me. If it is for a better life, that's the flesh motivation. If it's for a better love, that is the spirit. You get it? 
It is for a better love. Because fruit, and, and, and I'm just going to say this because we're running out of time tonight, uh, but I'll say it again, again next week. Uh, uh, fruit is to be eaten. It's the produce for others. And so us walking in the Spirit is, you know, and I've had, I've had people come to my, my office and say, I want to get saved so I can have a better life. Well, does I work out for you? You know, yeah, we realize it is a better life, but I'm going to face on this when the warfare begins. And if you want to walk in the Spirit so you can have a better life and not fulfill the lust life, those are good motivations. But it's selfish. He just says, you won't do it. And what's going to happen in your life is, is this fruit in your spirit. And, and I'm not going to take away from that because I think all of us want to have this love, this joy, this peace, this long-suffering. But it's not just for you. It's for others to be able to see Christ. You see what I'm saying? So we got to make sure that our motivation is not selfish in this. Well, I'm going to walk in the spirit and I'm going to pay attention because I want this. Year. Listen, Mike, you listen to the spirit. He's going to take you down some dark roads. He's going to take you down some dangerous road. He took Israel down the detours, dead ends, and dry holes when they came out of Egypt. Is that right, Mike? You know, too often we are so fickle, and I think that in Christianity, people try Christianity, and they say, man, I'm, I'm just looking for this better life. And then they find out, man, there's a lot of struggles here, and it's not getting any better. And they say, well, it just doesn't work. It's not an external thing. It's an internal thing. And all these, these qualities that are brought up of fruit uh, manifest themselves inside out. And that's what really the Spirit is, in inside out. So here, to walk in the Spirit is to live with moment-by-moment dependency. That means that, you know, it's not just when the car breaks down, I say, well, Lord, help, help me now. Moment by moment. And when it says, pray without ceasing. You see what I'm saying? And this is moment by moment dependence. Uh, in fact, it says there in, uh, before Romans 8, 28, it's uh, Romans 8, 27, that it says, for we don't know what we should pray for with God, but the Spirit gives us ours. I personally believe the Spirit helps us to know how to pray about things. And even in how to pray about things, oftentimes it's the answer to the prayer. Point. So why do I want it? A better life or a better love? It is a journey. It is a progress. It is in the present access. Uh, uh, present access. In other words, you are going to have to take ownership of it. It is your choice of whether you're going to follow what the Spirit's prompting is. If it's a journey, we should be able to measure how far we how many would agree with that? If it's a journey, you should be able to measure it. Yeah, you should be able to see this growth. You should be able to see this progress in your life. However, make sure that your measuring stick is correct. You can have a fleshly measuring stick, and God will correct that measuring stick. Hey, we use the measuring stick to correct you. Yeah, yeah that's true. We'll take it. Thank you with it. Well, if we're not walking in the Spirit, Oh, sure. You go out into places that you ought not to go. 
And, uh, and, and he talks about the, the, pro the product of walking in the flesh. And, he, and that's why he's bringing out this comparison of what the flesh is and what the spirit is. So let me just finish with these, this thought. In verse 16, it says, This I say, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. The word contrary is the word for adversary. Adversary. We've been trying to show how that the flesh is our enemy, and it's been cut off through circumcision, and that's what sanctification is, is you have been, you have been set apart. He says now there's this warfare going on, and we showed you with a diagram up there on the screen of the black side of the mind and the, uh, the white side of the mind. There's an adversary there. And then verse 17, for the flesh lusts again, is a contrary one to the other, and so that you cannot do the things that you would. If you walk in the flesh, you will not accomplish. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. So, but, verse 18, if we be led, the word led there is the word uh, for, for guide. He is our personal guide. He is our moral compass. You see, it's not about the law saying you've got to do this or you've got to do that. You have a moral compass that has been put inside of you. Now, we do understand that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So we understand that the Spirit's going to use the Word of God, and, and He'll prick your heart, and He'll change your life through that. He'll tell you what's right or wrong. He'll warn you. He'll tell you maybe you shouldn't go that way or you shouldn't go that way. He'll tell you to follow me. He's the paraclete. He'll tell you you're on the right path. I don't feel like I'm on it. Did Israel feel like they were on the right path? Never. How many of you have questioned whether God knows what he's doing by our complaints that maybe we're not on the right path? progress. Follow me. It is present passive. Present passive. Now this is where he is taking ownership of you. He is leading you. This is a hand in hand. He says, come and follow me. Of course, now Jesus Christ said that to his disciples. Follow me and I will what? Make you fishers of men. What does that mean? We are evangelical. We're out there witnessing. If we're following Jesus, that would mean that we're telling people about Jesus Christ. Alright? So this is uh, willingly follow, uh, like you said, Sarah, uh, to go with. You know, you don't go kicking and screaming. You have confidence that God knows what's best, and that's faith. Now, there is a different word in verse 25. Let me just throw it out to you. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know what that word is? It is the word for keep in step. It is actually an illustrative word. Anybody 
any march in the army? Cadences? He's saying, if you're going to live in the spirit, follow the orders. Keep in step. Don't run ahead. Don't run behind. Walk in the spirit. Amen? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Blessings upon this, our congregation here. Lord, help us to ponder these things. One, to be able to sense the uh, the the residue or the uh, the uh, what's working in our hearts and, and how we are listening. And I pray that you'll just uh, help us on our journey here. Uh, Father, understand that we got to be careful about saying, I want to do this or I want to do that. And we need to surrender and follow you. Thank you, Father, for tonight. Thank you for the treasure, the word, and how all these little pieces out there that just kind of fit together, helping us to understand our journey. And what a wonderful journey it is. Even in the midst of the storm, we can have peace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. God bless you. Somebody left a at Bible at a transmission place. Argo transmission. Argo transmission. Anybody here? You don't know where your Bible is? Did you got your Bible? I'm going to check that out. Okay. Did you go to Argo transmission? Uh, it, it, was, it was someone that was a uh, Ford Ranger. Tesco of a Ford Ranger? That's you, John. The Bible's there. Right now? Amen. Well, we know John carries his Bible when he goes looking for a car.
I should have said, you know, because you, you, you probably knew how little I knew about the song if I could say, do we stop in the middle and just sing hallelujah? Oh, I didn't get that. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I see so what you're talking about. Oh. And I just, I, I don't know if I've ever seen in, in singing song two triple clips like that. Oh, okay. I've seen it in just music. Right. And shared over yeah. Yeah. But I haven't seen it. Okay. Thank you. I okay. appreciate the time. All right. And you want us to go over and probably to look over the choir area over in uh, yeah. tomorrow, huh? Yeah, that's what I thought. It would be good to do that. And then, because I've got some ideas of where I'm thinking things could go, but I would want some more thoughts from y'all. Y'all might have envisioned something else or have some other suggestions, or maybe we could put this here, or, you know, I don't know. And i got to come up with some kind of.
Yeah, Susa sang it first. I've heard this one before. Yeah. Um, Kelly might have been that. She might have sung it. Yeah, we've had all the verses. It just wasn't out. 